Well, hello everyone. This is Dr. Amig from Unabridged MD, and I'm starting again with if you are looking for rheumatologists in the Denver and Colorado area, know that we are currently accepting new patients, uh, and we would love to see you. Uh, we uh, at Unabridged MD in rheumatology have the first direct care rheumatology practice in Colorado. All right. Well, today is a very special day for me. It's been a very long time that I haven't spoken uh, alone. And I'm very excited to do this. I think it's wonderful to have guests, but I thought it's always nice to connect with you all. Um, I want to also thank everyone and every single of the guests that have been on the podcast. It's been such a remarkable journey. It's also very exciting to me to uh, be able to share um, all the things that I'm learning, really, when it comes to health. Uh, so it's now been four months into the uh, new practice, direct care rheumatology uh, called Unabridged MD. It's, uh, it has been wonderful. And, you know, I, I have already seen incredible improvement from my patients. And I'm always wondering what it is uh, that this relationship is doing. Like, is it because I have more time with my patient? Am I doing anything different with my patients? Or is it just that I have more time to listen? So I've been really thinking about this. And I want to share with you uh, something that has happened to me so that uh, we, we can go into deep. And basically today we're going to talk about the power of the words. So I think I'm going to start with a sad story and then we're going to talk about a much happier story. So when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, at the same time, I had uh, the uh, sister of a very good friend of mine who had exactly the same type of cancer. So it's never exactly the same type, but she did have a, what we call a positive HER2, which is a receptor that makes the cancer very aggressive, but also makes it um, responsive to a certain type of treatment, which is uh, something we call immunotherapy. And we use the same principle in rheumatology. And so basically, uh, she was doing okay. She, she had never fully responded to treatment, meaning that she was doing good. It had been seven years she had this cancer, uh, but she had never completely um, uh, been in remission, in full remission. She always had a little bit of metastasis here and there. And if you know uh, breast cancer with positive HER2, you know that uh, there is a, a certain amount of patients who are going to have something called a chronic cancer. And it's really just like, think of rheumatoid arthritis never perfectly responding, something that I do not want for my patients. And that's one of the reasons um, I'm very aggressive at first. And then I always tell them it's like a fire. You put a lot of water at first and then you back off. Okay, but yeah, so there are some patients that are never responding fully to treatment and they are just going to sometimes have 20 years with recurrence, uh, but they are doing okay. Okay, so you hear already how I'm talking, right? Uh, well, so here's the thing, this patient, uh, this, this, this friend, um, so again, not my friend, but uh, the sister of a friend, a very good friend of mine. So I didn't really have a direct connection with her. Of course, having a cancer made me a little bit closer to her, but still not my friend per se. So, you know, I didn't necessarily feel in my place. I shared with her all of the things that I was doing and so on. And so one day she comes back and she um, she had more, uh, more metastasis. 
And it was metastasis to the brain. So of course, very scary. There's no question about that. Um, But literally a week before, there was a study in the New England Journal of Medicine that showed that uh, the patients with HER2 positive, even the ones that had not responded previously to up to, I think, seven, it was like a, a, a average of seven uh, treatment, like, you know, previous lines of treatment, that they were now responding to this new treatment, even for brain metastasis. It had done what we call the New England Journal of Medicine, which is like the best journal in medicine, Right. So it had done the first line, like, you know, imagine a headliner, right? Like something so big that like people were so excited about this. So, right. Yes, she did have a brain metastasis, but she also, there was also this wonderful treatment that had come and that potentially could actually cure her, like you know, remove everything, right? Because that's in two thirds of the patient in that study, like they were responding perfectly and not just the brain. All right. So, uh, and this is where the story is sad, is that our oncologist who had seen her for seven years retired, right? He was an old man and he retired and he had always supported her and always told her, yeah, you're, you're here to tell your story. And yes, you have not fully responded, but look at you, you're here, you're skiing, you're um, doing hiking, you're enjoying your life. Uh, and then she changed doctors. And the doctor that she uh, got, I do not know, like all of this is supposition, right? But imagine seven years of shard. He has to go through all of the shard and he's seeing this patient that's not responding and that has already tried several things, right? And she has now brain, um, brain metastasis. And my suspicion is that he wasn't a, speciali- a specialist in breast cancer, definitely not in a young woman. And so he basically told her, start saying goodbye to life because uh, this is this is it. And she told me that. She told me that he had told her that she had very little to live. So I was furious because I was like, who knows, right? Like, who knows? Like, this is so, I mean, no doctor should ever tell you that, ever. A doctor is here to give you hope. I, I really, I really believe that. And so... Uh, I talked to her and I tried to say like, hey, like they don't know. They do not know that. Like, who is this guy? Like, who is this dog saying this to you? So she did go and see a a second opinion. And at that tertiary center, they told her, yeah, you haven't tried this. You haven't tried that. You haven't tried this. So she tried one thing, but she tried it at the oncology center because she was in a rural uh, form of France. She tried it in this small center and her liver function test uh, went very high. And at that point, they said, okay, we're done. We're not going further. Okay, I'm still really upset about this. Um, um, sorry, it's, it's so painful to me because what ended up happening is that she did not seek more treatment. She did not listen to the tertiary center. What happened to her is that she gave up. And then she died exactly at the time that this doctor had told her that she would die. This patient, this friend that had been done, like had no problem for seven years, basically died after three months, just because a doctor told her that this is the time she had. So she died when I was still undergoing treatment. It was super painful for me. It's still painful for me. And I think where it's even more painful is to just say, 
The power of the words that you are using for your patients and the power of the words that you are using for yourself and for your loved one are significant. It's huge. It's huge. You can kill or you can um, cure a patient with just your words. And so this is what I'm realizing in this practice. So then we're going to go to something very positive here is, you know, when I got diagnosed with stage four cancer, I kept seeing all of my patients doing so well. And I had always wondered, like, do I just have easier patients than my colleagues? But in 20 years of doing rheumatology, that sounded very odd, right? You're like, I mean, no, I always see complicated patients. But what's happening is that those complicated patients, I made them look simple in the sense of we always, we always, I'm going to put not just in the past, we always have a path forward. And I always tell them it's 2023. I mean, I think I started using that phrase in like 2011 or something. It's 2011 and uh, every day, like we have new treatments and medicine is so powerful. And I would always say that, and I continue to say that 2023, and we have amazing treatment, amazing. Um, We can cure cancer. We can cure stage four cancer. We can cure rheumatoid arthritis. We can cure ankylosing spondylitis. We can cure psoriatic arthritis. And we are about to cure obesity and diabetes, right? (laughs) If you think about it, like treatments are coming every day and it's incredible the power of Western medicine. But you have to add the power of what I call Eastern medicine principle, meaning that if I give you a pill and I tell you that anyway, it's not going to work, of course it's not going to work because the power of my words are so important, especially as a doctor. And it's not, I'm not thinking here, so this is important. I'm not saying like, oh, my, my words are so, more, so much more powerful than someone else's word. No, but the fact is I come with a knowledge. I'm a doctor. I've done two trainings. I've done two fellowships, right? I've been at Columbia University. And those are things that my patients know of me. And I also tell them, those are the studies. This is what we've seen. This is what we know. And that is super powerful. So I I can tell you, like, so now to talk about a really positive story, I had a patient that had severe vasculitis, so inflammation of the brain due to lupus. And he was hemiplegic when I first met him. He was actually in the coma and then hemiplegic. And I kept telling him, hey, um, this is Dr. Amig. Every day you're doing better. Uh, this is the day. And you are, you know, where, like at the institution we were in. And then when he woke up, uh, I came to his, uh, his room and I was very happy to see him. But he was hemiplegic. So the half of the function of, a, of his body did not work, Right. Um, and he would greet me every morning with this half smile because of, you know, the fact that half of his uh, body did not work. Beautiful smile. And I kept telling him, look, even though you are not feeling the side of your body, you have to realize that you have to think about this. You have to think that you're using your hand. You have to think that you're using your legs because then it's going to work. You're going to make connection and then it's going to work, right? Well, couple of weeks later, he takes off the sheet and we see his feet and he has put his uh, sneakers on and he tells me, I'm about to uh, be sent to rehab and I'm putting my shoes on because even if I cannot move my leg right now, I'm imagining that I am and I'm doing the work that you have asked me to do. Okay, so 
we are moving three months. I don't see him for three months because he's discharged from the hospital and then his insurance did not um, accept. I think where I was did not accept his insurance or something. So he doesn't come and see me, right? But then he comes and see me at, at three months. And here he is walking the hallway, completely normal. And he tells me it's every day when I wanted to give up, I kept hearing the words, you are doing every day, every day better. Every day you are getting a little bit better. And he said, and that kept me going and I could see the path forward and I could see that I would be able to walk again. He's totally normal now. He has kids and he's like wonderful, right? And it wasn't that young of a patient. So some other dogs could have said like, hey, what are you doing? You're giving false hope. So number one, I think that doctors are very jaded to think that um, like patients are stuck with numbers. So every single of our patients are a very uh, individual, meaning that it's not like we don't know what's going to happen to them. So uh, I provide hope because I believe I've seen it in my practice. And so it's super important to be surrounded by doctors. Uh, so that's important, doctors, but also like loved ones. Um, the power of what your mom, your mother is going to say is so important, so important. So you have to tell her, please give me positive words. Give me positive words, right? Like give me positive affirmation. I'm going to close on uh, something that I would like to go more in depth with an interview uh, that I'm scheduling soon with uh, with a hypnotherapist. So recently, I, I, I've been wondering about the power of my words for a very long time now, especially since I myself had cancer. And, um, and I have to tell you, the first words of my oncologist was, there is 95% cure rate which has helped me my whole the whole time. We didn't know at the time it was stage four. We thought it was stage three. So those numbers re- were related to the stage three. However, she was kind enough to never give me the numbers related to stage four. And what it did is that I carried on those numbers with me. I carried on the 95%. Even though, intellectually, I absolutely knew that the... Uh, a rate for cure in stage four is much lower. But my I wanted my brain to keep the 95%. And that's what I always kept. I was like, 95%, 95%, okay? When you see your doctor, if they are not providing you hope, change. I'm, I mean it, change. Your doctors currently are tired. They are burnout, a lot of them, because the meaning of what being a doctor is being removed I think it's mostly by the insurance system. It may be by other reasons. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they are not providing you with the best care, at least some of them, right? So with, if you're in your guts, in your intuition, you feel that you're not being provided the best care because when you get out of the visit with your doctor, you're feeling hopeless, change. Just change, okay? That is super important. And then make sure that you tattoo your brain with positive words, affirmation, affirmative, and and things that are positive and optimistic. Uh, what I was going to say, so is that I'm realizing by talking to hypnotherapists that it is possible that those words, when we say like affirmative, affirmation, visualization, all of those is because of the power that our subconscious has. So 
it's most I've always wondered like how how do you how does visualization work? How does the fact that I'm saying to a patient, I'm we're gonna get to cure, like you're gonna get in remission. There's no question about that, right? Uh, I don't use cure because most of the time we need treatment, but remission, I use it all of the time. My goal is for my patients to go into remission. And so that's that's really I think it's fascinating to think, okay, well, the power of the words is because of our subconscious. And this is what the hypnotherapist I was talking to uh, told me one day, and I can do this exercise with you. Imagine that I'm going to ask you not to see right now the rabbit that's in the garden. Do not see him or do not see the little mouse that's crossing your um, where you are currently. That's impossible not to imagine this mouse or this rabbit, because even if I say do not see, your subconscious is hearing the affirmative of this, right? And so it's super interesting to think that our subconscious is hearing all of the time things that we are telling them and that we're telling them not to hear, right? So it's really important to use that. Um, So I, I've I've been fascinated. Like now, I'm like on, on this rabbit hole of reading more and looking at the studies and so on. And so, I am super excited to bring you a hypnotherapist that's also an MD uh, very soon on the podcast to talk more about that. Like, what what do you mean the power of the word? What do you mean the subconscious? What do you mean like that? Uh, hypnosis is not all of the time when you're like in a deep meditative state, like, right? Like it's not just the pendulum in front of your, in front of your head, uh, but it's actually any type of talking, any type of message that you're uh, listening. And the truth is advertisement does that. So we're going to go into a deeper dive, but for now, I want you to take the time. If you are a patient to think, is my doctor doing this to me? Is my doctor give me, giving me hope? And my suspicion is that the vast majority of, of doctors here are giving hope, right? That's my, that's my hope, <laughs> in fact, pun intended. Uh, and if they are not, start looking for someone else. And it has nothing to do with them. It has nothing. It's just, look, you are the most important person in your team, And if your coach, because that's what a doctor is, if your coach is not working for you, you move on. And that's it. it, Don't feel bad. It's okay. We we have no problem with that. In fact, like I I I personally, I'm I'm always feeling sad if a patient does not want to, to follow up with me. But the truth is that like the most important person is the patient. So I'm glad for them. And then I look and I'm wondering and I'm and I'm always thinking that is true. The relationship wasn't perfect with that patient. In a way, I understand that. Okay? So my feelings are not hurt. If something is hurt, it's my ego. And who cares about the ego? Don't care about their ego. <laughs> okay? That's not what's important. What's important is you. You are important. You are paying the physician. You are here to get helped. Okay? Um, so... Again, so if you're looking for a rheumatologist, of course, in the Denver and Colorado area, I would love to be your doctor. I absolutely adore what I'm doing at On Average MD. I see the change in my patient's life, and it has been, I mean, honestly, like it's the most dopamine released uh, possibility here. Like it's so exciting to see my patients do really well and so fast. Um, and, you know, it, for me, it feels like I'm in the right place. And 
Uh, and yeah, so please come. And then if you, uh, if you are thinking that this episode helped you, or if you think that it can help someone else, I'm going to ask you to share it. This is a message that needs to be shared. This is so important. And then uh, jump in for the next episode with the hypnotherapist so you can learn how all of this works, right? Um, and until then, I say bye and uh, take good care and thank you for listening. Thank you.